Dionisio at the plate. He's over two today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater. My name is Jeremy Dionisio. I'm Jack Swakowski. This is uh, the show where two bums, us two, talk about other bums at baseball games for the last time this decade, Jack. Yeah, uh, and so uh, fittingly enough, we're going to be doing our end of the decade episode. We're going we're gonna to be giving away awards for the uh, end of the decade. Now, they're not going to be your boring awards like best player uh, Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, Mike yeah. Trout is the best player of the decade. Yeah. We, we could do a two-hour bonus episode to determine that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, right off the bat, I think that it, it might be Mike Trout. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, the awards are going to have our own spin on them. Exactly. The the, the, the the thing you'd come to expect from Rain Delay Theater, right. I would say. Um, it is a Sunday, December 29th, 2019. This is episode number 66. This is the Yasiel Puig episode. Yeah, the, the wild horse. Is that what they call him? I don't know. I do think, they call I, it I don't that? know why. I, I feel like I couldn't have possibly made that nickname <laughs> up, but I, I guess it's uh, it's fitting. You know, he uh, Jeremy, he came on the scene in 2013 and like he set the world on fire. Yeah. And he, I just don't think he was ever able to, he hasn't been able to recapture that. Not really. We'll see. You know, we'll see what he does with the White Sox this year if they sign him. I was. I yeah. I paused for a second. I, this, Jeremy, I feel like we've speculated before, maybe even on this podcast, that Yaziel Puig is one day going to be a White Sox. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a total Sox move. To, yeah. to get him. It seems destiny. It would be funny too if they signed him to a bigger contract than yes, uh, Yasmani Grandal. So like Grandal <laughs> had like the biggest Sox. Uh, contract in history for like you know a month or something right. yeah that would be pretty funny but uh i don't know they just signed uh encarnacion so we'll see but we'll get into that more later and we'll get into yasiel puig a little more later too we, we will uh so we, we took a, a little bit of uh time off for the holidays uh yeah. it is it is christmas and i actually got my very first christmas card from jeremy uh, um yes. uh yeah it, uh, it's a it's a nice christmas card a nice picture of uh, him and his wife on their wedding day yep. uh it says sending you cheer throughout the year and then it says jack the crew seem to be assembling a nice infield for Christmas. Congrats, Jeremy and Molly. Uh, so now, did you write this, Jeremy? I did write that, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, so I wasn't sure. I figured you did. I wasn't sure if it was written tongue-in-cheek. Uh-huh. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, so I, the Brewers signed uh, on like the very same day or in the span of about 48 hours. They signed R- Ryan Healy, mm-hmm. Eric Sogard, and Justin Smoke. Uh, yeah. that, that's sort yeah. of the baseball fan's equivalent of in Saving Private Ryan when at the beginning of the movie, like Mrs. Ryan receives like uh, notice <laughs> on the same day that like three of her sons died. Or, I don't know. I think that's how that movie plays out. Yeah, anyway, so. that's... That's that's uh, you know that's like the Brewer fans equivalent of that. So. I liked your tweet, Jack. You said Justin Smoke is the equivalent of getting socks for Christmas. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I no, I honestly I like Ryan Healy and I like. I mean, Justin Smoke isn't like you know the in the top maybe five first baseman in the league, but I think he's pretty solid. I think you could do a lot worse than Justin Smoke. I don't know. You can, and I, you can do worse than getting socks for Christmas. You that's know, true. So- yeah, socks are expensive, true. and yeah. they they get a lot of holes in them. You got to replace them. And Justin Smoke, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we could uh, we could use a, a first baseman who can hit twenty five homers, maybe. So yeah, yeah it, it's not exciting. Yeah, but he's there. I think I like Ryan Healy. I, he's I guess he's kind of like I mean. Got players go to Seattle and just it's baseball oblivion. Like yeah. people, like it's a black hole. But um, and he had promise with the A's. But uh, he did. I, I like him. I think he's okay. I know he's he, you know I think he's kind of like a three true outcome guy maybe a little bit. Yeah. 
but oh, um, yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to uh, see if those two guys, uh, if their home run numbers get trumped up a little bit by Miller Park. And of course, Eric Sogard is the new yeah. K Rod, Francisco Rodriguez. You know, he's, it, this is Eric Sogard's umpteenth time being yeah, on the Brewers. Exactly. Uh, Let's just hope that uh, Smoke and uh, Healy can find out where the signals are coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, uh, anyway, thank you for the Christmas card. I, I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so uh, let's get into the uh, let's get into the the meat of this here. Yeah. The, uh, the end of decade awards. So the first one I want to do, Jeremy, is most anonymous. So this was the guy who played for most, uh, if not all, of the last decade, and he just basically toiled in anonymity. Yeah. Uh, and my answer to that is uh, new Brewers signee uh, Brett Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Brett Anderson. Brett yeah. Anderson. Uh, yes. he, he played every single year uh-huh. in the 2010s. And he even started his first year was 2009. And if you put him in a lineup of a bunch of other like tall white guys with beards, like I don't think I would be able to pick the guy out. I'm yeah. not, he's just like, he's never done anything remarkable. Uh, his career no. RA is like 405, I want to say, or something like that. His claim to fame, he was on the A's last year on a playoff team, but you know, you're talking about baseball anonymity. His mm-hmm. stats were unremarkable there. And like the best, the best thing he's ever done was he was like the number three starter on the 2015 Dodgers team, uh, where he was the number three guy uh, after Kershaw and Greinke. Uh, he's, he had a brief stint with the Cubs, uh, and yeah, yep. he just signed with the Brewers for a one-year, five million dollar deal uh, in a in a you know, and they, that got no headlines at all. For sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, I guarantee you, ninety-five percent of the Brewer fans don't even know who the heck this guy is, even though he's been around for eleven years now. So yeah, Brett Anderson is the most anonymous uh, player for me in the twenty tens. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I honestly, this was a this was a good category, Jack. Uh, there was a lot of guys, and I feel like this is cheating to throw out some some other names sure. out there, but yeah. Let's just let's just humor ourselves. We we we, we produce the show. We can we can do what we want. Um, mm-hmm. Oliver Perez. These Ooh. are all runners up. Oliver Perez was around forever. Like yes. he, he he never went away. No, and yeah, he's I think he's still around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His big claim to fame is that he was uh, the wrong he, like the wrong guy that came out of the bullpen. I think that was in 2018. Yeah. Uh, they said get uh, Terry Francona said get O. He wanted to say get OT up as in Otero, but okay. the other guy thought it was OP. Or vice versa, and then yeah. so Terry Francona came out and called the bullpen, and it was the wrong guy. Yeah, but like nice. that, my 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 question about that story is why is uh, why is Dan Otero OT? What kind of nickname <laughs> is that? Yeah, it's like not good. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Oliver Perez, that's a good one, Jeremy. Um, Tyler Flowers was a name that jumped out to me. Yeah, T Flow, T Flow, still he's still around. <laughs> yeah, with the Braves. Yeah, honestly, like like no no like love or recognition for that guy whatsoever. But he was like a starter for like or like at least a. A, like a top, like the the top choice platoon guy in like in a lot of situations for pretty much the whole decade. Yeah, and he could hit some homers too. Yeah, but uh, I have to say, at the end of the day, my my choice for most anonymous was Sinshu Chu. Ooh, that's a good one, Jeremy. Like the guy, like I mean, and honestly, I mean, I think like uh, you know, hardcore baseball like uh, observers would uh, would say that you know. Um, they they know who he is but yep. like outside of the like outside of that echelon of people like no one who knows who the hell Sinshu Chu is. No. But um, he's in the top. He's If you like search by stats for the decade, he's at the top. He's in like the top 30 of each, um, you know, most categories, if not higher. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's just been around. He's a number. He played the 31st most games in the decade. Yep. Um, and, you know. Considering that there's thousands of players who played this decade, 
um, or at least close to that. Yeah, yeah. like a couple thousand. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, it's pretty good. So he's he's my pick for most anonymous. I mean, he's he's a dependable guy. He never like blew any one away. Didn't he like just make his first All Star game? Yeah, it was it was 2018. <clears throat> he made his first All Star game, and this year, I because I had been looking at uh, the Rangers stats just a little while ago. I was amazed. At, I think he led the Rangers in at bats and games played this year. Okay, um, yeah. and I, I you know I I don't think I watched a Rangers game all year. You know, again, you talk about baseball oblivion. These guys go to these teams where you just kind of don't pay any attention to them. But uh, yeah, he he's still around, and his stats were pretty good. 24 homers with a 265 average. Yeah, uh, and he's batting 275 for his career, and and you know eight, over 800 OB, OPS too. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, he's he, he gets on base a lot. So um, solid solid contributor to a team. He's just never really been on a team that did anything. So. No. So yeah, so he he gets overlooked. So he's my pick for most anonymous. Nice. Well, that, yeah, that's a good call, Jeremy. Um, yeah. uh, so we also have uh, some stats to yeah. look at. Mm-hmm. Just I compiled some stats for the decade too, and I thought it'd be fun to just go over these things. And I don't know how many. I haven't heard too many of these out there. Like at some point, people start talking about like the decade of stats. Like I know like Mark Grace had the most hits in the '90s, yep. right? Um, so uh, you know, we just compiled some stuff. I, I got some firsts and lasts of the decade. Yeah. Um, so the first, well, the first game was played. Um, April 4th, 2010, between okay. the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's appropriate, I guess, to kick off a decade. And, of course, the last game was uh, Game 7 of the World Series with the Nats and the Astros. Nice. Um, but uh, the first pitch of the decade was thrown by Josh Beckett to Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. And, the first, and on the first pitch, uh, Jeter grounded out 6-3. to three. Okay. Um, the last pitch was thrown by uh, Daniel Hudson to Michael Brantley, which was that strikeout swinging. Yep. And uh, Hudson launched his glove into like the batters into the on deck circle um the first homer so this one this next play like takes care of the first hit first homer and first rbi was a, a home run by uh, jorge posada mm-hmm. off of beckett uh the last homer of the decade was howie kendrick that big homer that hit the foul pole off of will harris the last hit of the decade was a two-run single by adam eaton off of jose urquidy mm-hmm. um to give the nats and some insurance runs and uh, that was also the last RBI of the decade. Uh, first ball hit into play was the Jeter ground out, and the the last play, uh, the last ball put into play was a P four uh, pop up to the second baseman uh, by George Springer off of uh, Daniel Hudson's yeah. uh, out of his um, hand. Yeah, that's you know that's that's uh, that's neat, Jeremy, to hear those. Uh, Jorge Posada, I feel like he's a player that I've kind of forgotten about that was on the Yankees for a long time. Yeah. It was pretty good for them for a while, but I, I like that the first hit. Of the decade was a home run. Like we should have, we should have seen it coming, folks. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, right. bar- this barrage of home runs in 2019 and 2017. It's the most um, 2010s thing that could have happened. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> um, uh, it's great. So, so our next, uh, our next category. It's kind of a twofer. Uh, we have guy who was most out of place in the decade, yeah. uh, as far as uh, like a he should have played a, a long time ago. No, either, so not in the 2010s. Yeah, either a throwback or a futuristic or a futuristic player, player the most futuristic player of the 2010s, <laughs> uh, yes. which I think is funny because like uh, when you say someone's ahead of their time, like uh, you you can't say that in the present. You can be like, you know, this guy's really ahead of his time right now. Um, right, exactly. that's, so that's just something in retrospect, but I think we got to try to predict it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for my my uh, my guy who was most out of place as far as a throwback guy. Mm-hmm. Dee Gordon. 
Oh, okay, D. Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, now, just to throw a stat at you folks, because uh, yeah. this is another one of our uh, big ones. D. Gordon led uh, the major leagues in stolen bases for this decade. For the decade, yeah. He had 330 stolen bases. Yeah. Um, now, it was remarkable, Jeremy, because we also looked up, we also have the most stolen bases in the 1980s. Just and, for the hell of it. I just for the hell of it. And that was Ricky Henderson, who had 838. Yeah. So the leader for stolen... 500 more. Yeah, 500 more, right? Um, but but anyway, that, that's just be... that. I, I feel like that's no fault of D. Gordon's. No, uh, D. It's Gordon. Just the way the game has changed. Yep. So, yeah, the way the game has changed. Now you look at D. Gordon. Uh, he's a guy who consistently hits. I think for his career, he's hitting 288. So this is a guy okay. who's going to hit 290. So he's going to get on base. He doesn't walk a lot, but he gets a lot of singles. He never gets a lot of doubles or anything like that, or extra base hits. He hits almost no home runs. You know, he'll bat 600 times and he'll hit like you know two or three home runs, and he steals 40 to 50 bases consistently every year if he gets playing time. Uh, so that you know that that's kind of like. Uh, 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 when, you know, Steven Seagal in the movie Out for Justice, he goes, you know, he says to his police captain, he goes, yeah, just give me a shotgun and an unmarked and let me do my thing. You know, it's <laughs> like uh, D. Gordon, just hit the guy in the leadoff spot yeah. uh, and just let him do his thing. Just let him hit 290 with uh, 50 stolen bases. I, I feel like now, uh, you know, pe- people need their middle infielders to hit 30 home runs a year you know right. a guy yeah. like Javi Baez or even you know guys like Chase Utley who were doing it before that Robinson Cano D Gordon is a throwback to like the classic leadoff man yeah for sure yeah I mean uh yeah he's a few like one of the few speed threats in in the in the game today and he actually does hit some homers too he's in the most recent years he's started hitting a little more a couple more homers at least he has maybe he feels pressured to to change yeah well i will say uh one thing that was notable about like looking at the the top uh stolen bases of the 80s i i just looked top five yeah and the fifth guy in from the 80s uh ranked was ozzy smith with yeah. 364 stolen bases and that still beats D. Gordon for the 2010s at 330. Right. So, yeah, the top five in the 80s. I'm starting to sound like Bernie Sanders here, but the top five percent of uh, <laughs> stolen base uh, guys from the 80s outrank the top one of uh, the, the 2010s. Yeah. So there you go. So you really see how the game has changed. Yes, for sure. Um, all right. So um, so my throwback uh, guy, I mean, I feel like this one's a little bit on the nose, but I just... When I was looking at it, I just kept seeing the image of this person in my head. It's Ben Zobrist. Okay. Yeah, okay. Ben Zobrist. I mean, like, honestly, I wonder, you know, if Ben Zobrist wore, didn't wear those, like, black uh, cleats with the, like, the high stirrups, if he would have popped up in my in my list anymore. Sure. But, like, he just looks, like, at best, like a 70s, 80s guy. Yep. Um, and even his approach in the to the game, like, kind of feels the same way as well. Yeah. So uh, he's my throwback player of the 2010s. He played the whole decade. Yep. Um, you know, he was a pretty uh, notable guy for the whole decade as yep. well. And so, um, yeah, except for maybe 2019. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Or but, for the wrong, the wrong reasons yeah, in 2019. For sure. And so uh, so he's my throwback player of the decade. Nice. Yeah, I like sure. it. Yeah. Hard guy to mm-hmm. always known as a hard guy to strike out. And you can yeah. play every hard-nosed guy. Um, cool. So I think most futuristic player yeah, who do you for got? me is Michael Lorenzen. Are you serious? Is that yours too? That's that's mine right here. Holy shit. Look, Michael Lorenzen, okay. futuristic. I, I, I love it, Jeremy. Uh, wow. so, okay, so we're on the same page. Rain uh, delay synergy right there, yeah, folks. How, uh, yeah, so the reason I, I say that, Jeremy, and I think that you know, you're know you kind of on the same page here, obviously, is yeah. that uh, we're, we're, we're starting to see a trend of, first of all, position players coming in and pitching a lot more, which they've put a stop to. I think in, in next year, you're only going to be able to do it if the game is like you're up, you're up or down by eight runs. Yeah. But so, so we're seeing this trend now, or any guys are even being drafted because of it for like two ways. Players. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
Lorenzen is the type of guy, too, where, like, you know, you can put him in the outfield and start him in the outfield and bring him in to relieve. Um, you know, he's not like a Shohei Otani type of guy where it's like they're really being careful with him. Like, they're yeah. just kind of using him and doing whatever with him. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, yeah, you got your Otanis, you got your Brendan McKays, um, who are, like, they're trying currently to be two-way players. But Lorenzen has been doing it and kind of unceremoniously. Yep. I don't know if it's just because it's Cincinnati or the, the Reds don't contend right now. Um, but he's doing like, I think, the best way of doing it, where he's like going out to the center field. He's coming in. I mean, they started him a game in center field, didn't they? Yeah, I, th- I think they did. It's crazy. I mean, it just seems like uh, what's to stop them from doing more of this in 2020? I don't know. We'll right. see. I mean, they probably won't start him anymore because of this pitcher position player thing. But uh, right. they can, I mean, I think they can They can take the pitcher into the field. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, because I, I was going to say, don't a certain number, you can only designate a certain number of your people as pitchers and position players, right? A guy has to be designated as one or the other. Yeah. Um, but if he's if he's designated a pitcher, it seems to me like he can still move freely. Yep. About, yeah. He would just have to be replaced with a pitcher, but the pitcher has to throw it to three to batters three now. Yep. So, who knows? Well, hey, that's a lot of fun. Great rule there, uh, Manfred, to <laughs> take that away. Um, but uh, I, I wonder what if that rule is going to to stand. We'll yeah. see. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, well, and I feel like with Lorenzen, too, though, like him being a two-way player wasn't originally the plan. No. It's just he no. was such a good hitter as a pitcher. They were like, you know, let's just see if this guy can also play the outfield. Yeah, too. for sure. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I like it, Jeremy. Um, I, I, Matt Davidson. And I felt like he was going to become a two-way player as well. And like when he left the White Sox, they were like, "Oh, maybe he's going to market himself as a two-way player." Yeah. But I guess I guess he marketed himself so well that no team could decide who would sign him, and so he just never sniffed the majors in yeah, 2019. The plan didn't work as planned, I guess. No. Um, but uh, but yeah. So um, all right. So uh, before we move on to the next category, let's get some more t- uh, decade leaders. Huh? All right. So most at bats for the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the top five. This is an interesting list, I think. Yeah. Um, number five was Robinson Cano mm-hmm. uh, with 5,647. I don't need to give the numbers for everybody. But number four was Starlin Castro. Uh, number three was Elvis Andrews. Uh, number two was Nick Markakis. Mm-hmm. And uh, number one was Adam Jones. Adam Jones had the most at-bats for the decade. I like it. Um, I, I, it's a little surprising because Adam, Adam Jones feels like uh, he's kind of fallen off the just fallen off in the last couple he's of years. Fallen off the hemisphere. Yes, he's gonna be in Japan next year. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, Nick Markakis is a guy that I feel like people only really started appreciating last year in 2018 because he, he made his first All Star team. He he was in consideration for most anonymous. I yeah, was yeah. Well, and and another guy who's relatively anonymous is uh, Elvis Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, f- for I I know the guy's been a solid shortstop. For a long time, I don't know if it's just something uh, about being on the Rangers, like Shinsu Chu, but um, I mean, you know, to find out that the guy's got the third most at bats in the decade is pretty crazy. And also another guy who, like Starlin Castro, yeah, another guy who has just fallen off the face of the earth. Um, so he he must have he debuted in 2010. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's yeah. that sounds right to me. Um, at, at like age 18 or 19, so he's probably still only like 29 years old. It's crazy that that um, was that long ago. It is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, the good. Uh, I think that's a good a good list there. Um, yeah. And those guys will appear uh, again on some other ones depending on which uh, which stats we choose. Um, uh, but the most 2010s player, Jeremy, who did you have for the most 2010s player? Well, this was a tough one. Um, I you know I feel like. 
there's 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 kind of two obvious ones I would say, and I was gonna go with one of them, but I just I kind of tried to think outside of the box a little bit. So. Yeah, sure. And just to be clear, mo- for most twenty tens player, where I mean, it, we're talking about a player who just kind of epitomized everything that this decade was about. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and that was that kind of helped my pick. So. Yeah. Um, and it this kind of overlaps a little bit with one of the other categories, but I think this one stands on its own. So my, my most 2010 player uh, was uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Ooh, okay. And why Andrew is that? McCutcheon. I think he started off great mm-hmm. in the decade. Um, maybe the way that uh, things started off in, in the world in, in, in the decade, <laughs> maybe pretty good. And then by the end, it just kind of fell off. Okay. And uh, kind of hobbled into the hobbling now into the new decade. Right. Um, so I don't know, like. There was there there's a there's a handful of guys who just like like had you know rose to prominence in the 2010s um, and kind of became the face of MLB a little bit and McCutcheon was that for like a good three years I would say yeah. um, kind of right in the middle of the decade and uh, but he's still around mm-hmm. and um, he's still a liked guy but um, yeah so you know he's kind of fallen off in recent years but. Um, yeah, in, in a way to mirror <laughs> the way that uh, the world is right now, um, so has uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I would say. So he's for that reason, he's my player. He's my most twenty tens guy. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, well, Jeremy, mine is uh, uh, Chris Bryant. Okay, I feel like Chris Bryant okay. uh, is sort of just in the middle, or has been in the middle of a ton of very twenty tens type of things sure. uh even just right now with yeah. the, ser- the service time issue yeah uh, that, sure. that that wasn't really something i feel like bryant's uh uh the instance of that in 2015 when they held off calling him up that was kind of one of the first instances where i really or anybody really made a, a huge deal out of that sure yeah. um or I, at least uh that was kind of so so there's that and then now um now that's a huge thing you're seeing it every year with guys like Guerrero, um, just this year. Yeah, um, well, it's interesting because I mean, you could almost consider that like something that went in and out now uh, in this decade because um, teams broke from that this year by starting Alonzo and Eloy and, and Fernando Tatis on yeah. opening day. Yeah. Um, and now it's the fallout of that, which is now he's having a grievance being heard. I mean, I have to assume that like the other players who were kind of held out are going to maybe also file similar grievances. I don't know exactly how it works with the you know, CBA and, and all the service time and stuff. But I mean, the, 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 um, consensus is that Bryant is not going to win this grievance. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously it's in his best interest to, to, to file it and try to get uh, free agency a year early. Um, but, but yeah, for sure. Like he was involved in that. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a really <clears throat> hyped prospect. I feel like prospect hype has gotten a lot a lot bigger now. Probably yeah. just because there's more access, just because of because of the internet. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper were definitely at the forefront of that, but yeah. Bryant was another guy who was who was like that for when sure. he got brought up, and he was he was super hyped. Yeah. Um, yeah, launch his, angle. Yeah, launch angle. I, I, that was going to be another thing I said. Launch angle. He was like the first launch angle guy. Yeah, as well. for sure. Which um, was totally a 2010s thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like, um, just <clears throat> as far as like being a person uh, of the 2010s, like he is a just a total millennial. I don't know how else to say it, Jeremy. Hey, I well, mean, that's how Chili Davis would put yep, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say like he. Uh, I mean, he basically him and a few other guys who I feel like <laughs> got got Chili Davis fired. You know, so like yeah, you exactly. know, yeah. If you don't, um, you know, if you feel like you're not doing well, just blame. The, just blame somebody else for it. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, for all those reasons, that's a very good pick for yeah. the 2010s, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I had a tough time 
not picking Bryce Harper mm-hmm. just because yes, he's the face he of MLB. my mind as well. Um, a lot of the other things being represented by Scott Boris, huge free agent contracts and holdouts uh, stuff. Yeah, that uh, that would have been a good pick as well. For sure, yeah. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, let's look at a couple more things. Yeah. Um, most home runs of the decade. How about let's yeah, see Yeah, so I, I like one. that. Uh, so Nelson Cruz uh, tops the list yeah, with, with 346 home runs. Folks, Nelson Cruz yeah. hit the most home runs in this decade. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, you know... I, I couldn't have if you would have asked me who did it. I, I don't think I would have said Nelson Cruz. Yeah, yeah. This list is interesting. Um, Pujols is uh, at number four. Yep. So let's go. Let's go. So Encarnacion yep. was number two at three thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Stanton was three hundred eight, which he probably could have been number one if he would have played this year. Yep. Um, especially with the way the ball was uh, this year. He yeah he probably would have hit three fifty. Um, Pujols was fourth with 290, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a tie for fifth between Jose Batista and Mike Trout at 285. At 285. So yeah, obviously you would have thought Trout was up there. Um, I maybe if I if you made me guess within a split second, I maybe would have thrown out Jose Batista, but uh, yeah. I'm surprised that you know he could have been on the list, he could have not. So I don't know, but uh, yeah, Nelson Cruz. So, I mean, the guy just goes to a new team every year and hits like 40 homers. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's he going to be on this year? Is he going to be on the Twins again? He's still on, I think he's still on the Twins. Okay. I think okay. so. Yeah, nobody nobody knows. I mean, yeah. he's like 40 years old at this point. Yeah. But he'll probably hit 40 home runs again next year. Yeah, for the Bomba squad. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So th- our next category is, uh, I guess I was calling it Best Retirement, Jeremy. What were okay. you calling it? Life After, ba- Life Life after, after Baseball, baseball Award. Right. So w- w- the guy who has had the, the, best, the best retirement. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, whether if they were retired early in the decade or maybe even... Uh, there was a guy that I was looking at who retired in 09 and kind of had a notable 2010s. Sure. Uh, but, um, or, you know, however long. But uh, what did you have, Jack? Well, I had David Ross. Yeah. David Ross has had a stellar. I feel like, you know, uh, people were like, like people were waiting for Steven Strasburg to debut uh, into the major leagues. People were like waiting for David Ross to retire so they could see what, what, what would come after. Yeah, um, for sure. It was like before he even retired, people had pegged him to be the manager of the Cubs, which he now is. That yes. came to fruition. Yeah. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a great, he's a good mouthpiece on ESPN. Like he was just a natural yeah. uh, from the, the moment they put him on there. He was on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like he's just the kind of guy who can walk into any clubhouse or, uh, you know, batting practice before the game and just hang out with players and like have a really good rapport with them, uh, whether he's a coach or a guy from ESPN trying to get a soundbite. Uh, yeah, the guy. So he debuted in two thousand two. Yeah, uh, but he was never more popular than his last year of playing, and like you know, from then on, basically. Yes. So yeah. uh, there you go. Just you know, the first throughout the first. 13, 14 yeah. years of his career. Yeah. And it was all about that that end of his career and his retirement. Yep, so, just yeah, just a guy who was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, perfect pick, perfect pick. Um, you know, I I I threw some guys out there. Um, like Aaron Boone was yep, someone okay. who I thought about. Yeah, sure. He retired I, in 09. Yeah. And then um, you know, pretty quickly began broadcasting for ESPN and now is the Yankees manager. Yeah, and he was on the top he was on the Sunday night game too. I mean, so he yeah. reached the uh the top of that mountain. For sure. Uh there's and there's another I looked at a lot of like announcer guys. Like Dallas Braden was a guy yeah. who I thought yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was just like kind of like Oakland's version of like Ryan Dempster and like <laughs> uh Eric Burns and whatever. Yeah. Like all the the guy threw one no hitter and like had like like that's all he needed to do. He only pay, pl- pitched like five years. Was or it something. a perfect game? 
Uh, maybe it was a perfect game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and like, I mean, that's it. That guy's done. Now he can just be a, a whack job, uh, like for Oakland. Yeah. Um, but uh, I went a little outside of the box here again. I went with Dan Heron. Dan Heron. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like Dan Heron is another guy who like went to a much smaller profile. It seemed like he was like ready to just be a retired baseball player. Mm-hmm. Like his um, Twitter handle is. I throw 88. Yeah, okay, that's good. Right? And so he's he's like, he has a good sense of humor on Twitter. Like, I think he has a good uh, presence. And it seems to me like, and he still comments on on baseball and then like is following the game and everything. Um, And so like, it just seemed like he was ready to retire. Like, it was nice that he came to the Cubs, I think in 2015 maybe. Um, And, uh, you know, he was like, it seemed like he was just like, happy to be on that team if they made it deep into the playoffs or won the world series that would have been nice but he was ready to retire and now he just like seems to like have a humorous presence on twitter and so uh i think like he's it seems to me like he's probably enjoying his retirement and uh you know i'm sure he made in the multi-millions of dollars playing and so i mean i you think about it and it's like that that's got to be the life yeah you know um, yeah you made your money you got out you can poke fun at yourself and your Twitter handle, like you know, it's yeah. good for him. Oh yeah, and and Jeremy, I, I think it was him who, after Marlon Bird got busted for steroids the second time, he tweeted like, "Hey, can I get some of those home runs back you hit off me?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he was, yeah, I, you know, I never, maybe because he was on the Cardinals for so long, I never pegged him as like a, a sense of humor guy, yeah. like in baseball. But mm-hmm. like once he came to the Cubs, like I, I learned more about that, and so like you know, I can, I can respect that. Like I said, I always like the guys. Who actually have a sense of humor, right? Um, so, uh, so I picked him as my uh, life after baseball guy. Nice, I like it. Um, All right, Jeremy. Uh, so the next stat I think we should get into here, okay, is most hit by pitch. Yeah, most sure. Hit by pitches. Uh, yeah, I, I started looking at some of these stats, and a lot of the top fives for like hits and games played and at bats were like getting kind of similar. Yep. So I wanted to look at something deeper. And, uh, yeah, so I looked up most hit by pitches for the decade. So number five on that is John Jay. John Jay. Johnny who, Jay. Who got hit in the uh, game five of that uh, NLDS with the Cubs and the Nats. Okay. I think to start, like, a rally. Like, he got hit and he took one for the team. And so, yeah, that was a good hit by pitch. There. <laughs> that uh, doesn't actually count against his, in, to, towards these numbers, though, because that was a postseason. So oh, go. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, Starling Marte, number yep. 111. A little surprising there. Um, yeah. This one is amazing, <laughs> Jeremy. Derek yeah. Dietrich is number three with 118. Which I think he got like a significant percentage of those this year. Yeah. I think he got hit like 20 times or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy, I was going to say, like, the guy has, like, uh, never even played what could be considered, like, a full season of games <laughs> in any season. Exactly. And yeah. the guy's number three uh, for the decade in hit-by-pitches. What's his What's his high for games played? Um. Uh. Let's see. 149 yeah. games. Okay. For... Uh, in 2018. Yeah. Um. He led the league in 2016 with hit-by-pitches 24. 24. He had 25 wow. this year. 25 hit-by-pitches. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, kid, get on base any way you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that, that's a great one. But, uh, Jeremy, somebody we mentioned. There you you mentioned uh, Sin Shu Chu. Uh, see, uh, I had to, I had to uh, bend the numbers so I could get him mentioned in right, this, in right. this list. Yeah. He had 126 uh, hit by pitches uh, in the decade. And number one, Jeremy, no surprise. Pretty, pretty obvious, no surprise, Anthony Rizzo with 145. Yeah, uh, my goodness. Whopping stick. 19 more than the second place guy. Yeah, he really crowds the plate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's his thing. 
Uh, Dietrich can handle those hit by pitches because he's so jacked. I would yes, say, yes, so. he can. Yeah, we, we should. I, I was going to say one thing. We should have like most jacked of the decade, <laughs> but like it would be like him, Eric Thames, and Arietta. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Cool, but yeah, that's a, a great a great list there. Um, okay, Jeremy, biggest bust of the 2010s. Who did biggest you have? Biggest bust. We might have the same guy here. Okay, I have Yasiel Puig. Oh, interesting. No, I didn't. I did not have him. So, okay. uh, so do tell. Yeah, I mean, like you can look at his numbers all you want. Like he's pretty solid. Like twenty five homer, two sixty five batting average, which is not bad. But like for all the bullshit that comes with him, and uh, just the promise and the hype and. He, people died to get him like into the <laughs> American into major league baseball. Yeah. So it's like this guy, he's just a, for all the, the, the crap that goes on with him, he's been totally not worth it. He had one big hit the whole decade. As far as I'm concerned, it came against the uh, Brewers. At the expense of the Brewers. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like the guy is just a bum. And, uh, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he, he starts, uh, brawls. He, yeah. he likes to party. Yeah. Um, yeah, he likes to drive his car pretty fast, I think. Yeah, he likes yeah. to lick his bat. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, I, was, yeah. I was honestly, I was almost either going to pick him for, we have a, a, an award for craziest player, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, or I was going to pick him for started strong, ended wrong. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I didn't pick him for either of those. But okay. Yeah, I feel like also this is another guy we could have put for like most 2010s guy, even for though sure. I don't know. But, yeah, I can uh, say that. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, that, that's a great pick, Jeremy. Uh, like I said, you know, he started off in 2013. He set the world on fire when they yeah. called him up. And he's never been able to even get close to being that good again. No. Uh, so that's a great call. Jeremy, my, my, my biggest bust of the 2010s, a uh, guy we've talked about a little bit on here before, Dustin Ackley. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. The guy was the number two overall pick in like 2007, yeah. I want to say. Uh, he never did shit. No, he never. He was just complete garbage for a yeah. couple of years, and he's he's not around anymore. Um, yeah, he they, like his his first full season in the majors. He hit like uh, two twenty six and one hundred and fifty three games played. Yeah, uh, he had so another bad. season with one hundred and forty three games played. He hit two forty five with fourteen homers, and then it was just all downhill from there. I, I feel like uh, Rain Delay Theater listeners can play a drinking game every time I say mention a, certain things. One of them being like when I went to the Arizona Fall League in, <laughs> in 2010 or whatever it was. But like again, like I just remember sitting there like and seeing him play and looking really good. And he was leading the league in in average. And like I was talking to some crusty baseball guys and like, oh, this kid can hit, you know? Yeah. And like just did so he so much did nothing in the majors. Yeah. That it's like astounding. Yeah. I will. I will say uh, one thing I can credit him for is um, I bought the 2011 Topps Update baseball card set because he partially because his rookie card was going to be in it, mm-hmm. and uh, years later I discovered that that set had the Mike Trout rookie card in it as well. Wow. And so now it's worth like five six hundred dollars, and I legit paid like eleven dollars for it on eBay. Um, but De- Eckley was part of the reason, a large part of the reason why I bought that set so I could get his rookie card. Wow. So that, I'll give him credit for that. That's great. It's probably That's probably more money than he made playing baseball this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> okay, yeah. Uh, out, yeah, outstanding. So uh, so that was our biggest bust, Jeremy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, so let's see. Let's take a let's, let's look at some pictures here okay. for our, okay. our top yeah, lists yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, okay. So top five um, wins, let's say for mm-hmm. the decade. Sure. Uh, number five was John Lester with 148. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four was Zach Greinke. Number three was Clayton Kershaw. 
Uh, number two was Justin Verlander with 160, and with 161 was Max Scherzer. Cool. Yeah, so. Jeremy, I, I was going to say uh, another thing that, you know, we talk about best player, Mike Trout, like best pitcher, like uh, Clayton Kershaw, Scherzer, or Verlander. Like, yeah. take take your pick. Exactly. You, know? yeah. you could argue all day about that. Uh, none of those guys, uh, a huge surprise, I guess maybe Lester, but like he's just mm-hmm. a guy that was just solid every year it's in the been decade. Around, yeah. You've been around. Um, the other four, no real surprise there. For sure. Uh, to go along with busts, though, we can talk about top five losses. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is always a good yep. uh, stat. Yeah. I always loved looking at the back of baseball cards when they would like put in bold and italics like the league leaders. Yes. And like I always loved seeing like the guy who had the most losses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so for the top five for the decade, the number five was Mike Leake with 98 losses. Okay. Uh, number four was Ian Kennedy with 99 losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, 101 losses in, number, in third place was Jeff Samarja. 103 losses in second place was James Shields, and 109 losses in first place was Rick Porcello. Okay, wow, Met. nice. Met, 2020 Met pitcher, Rick <laughs> Porcello. Well, I, I feel like um, uh, James Shields, Jeremy, like uh, half of those 103 losses came with his like two and a half years with the White Sox. For sure, um, yeah. Uh, he, I think he almost lost 20 games in one of his years. Uh, yeah, Samarja, like that's a guy who was just on a bunch of bad like Cubs teams, and then he went to the Giants, uh, and he had that one year with the White Sox. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a, a pretty. Uh, Porcello's going to be on the Mets in twenty. Yeah, I, I believe he signed with the that. Mets. Okay, yeah, and did he win a Cy Young recently? Uh, twenty. Yeah, sixteen, fifteen. It was within 30, the last couple 17? of years. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting, Jeremy. A lot of former Tigers uh, on this list. Sure, That's on true. these on these lists. Scherzer, yeah. Verlander, uh, Porcello. Uh, mm-hmm. They were all in the same starting rotation for at least uh, at least one or two years. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good list too. Rick Porcello would not have been my pick for for number one though. Yeah, I know that he lo- he does lose a lot of games, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Um, all right, back to the uh, the awards. Okay, we have uh, number the sixth uh, category here. We have is ruined the decade. Nice player who ruined the decade. Nice. It, uh, well, uh, yeah, I feel like another one that Yaziel Puig could have been a candidate for. Um, right. So Jeremy, we- this was kind of a cop out. For me, we might have the same. Guy. Well, uh, so so here's the thing, Jeremy. So I didn't um, I didn't pick a player. Uh, I picked uh, two organizations okay. that ruined the decade. Okay, and so those are the Houston Astros uh-huh. and the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> okay. Now let me explain myself. Sure. So the reason that they ruined the decade is because both of those franchises decided to do like a complete teardown, yeah. where they were awful and committed to just losing a hundred games for like three years in a row. Sure. And the thing is, the problem with that was it worked it so worked. well yeah. that now every single team is doing it for sure uh, to where you'll have like you know a third of the teams in the league are just completely tanking yeah Um, and and, you know uh, not only that but now I feel like teams never this was maybe an old like uh, an old man thing to complain about in baseball but you know teams would never just uh, uh, tank like halfway through a season and just trade away all their good guys Sure. You know, and that's yeah. what that's what teams will do now if they're out of, out of playoff contention. I mean, you remember what was it the the uh, white flag trade in like '98 with the White Sox when they traded away all those guys and it was like a big deal. Yeah, I could was have it been, earlier than that? I, it might have been earlier than that. I, I want to say it was like '94 or something. Yeah, five or something. I, I could have the year wrong, yeah. but like that was like a big deal back then, and now it's like you just expect that every year. But yeah. so the the Cubs and Astros, like you know, committed to this way of rebuilding. Uh, where they would just completely tank and build it back up. So, well, but they both won World Series for sure. What was it? The Marlins did that as well this this decade, I believe. Like, was it 2013 maybe or something? Where they signed those guys? And yeah, then traded them away right away. They, they did. They signed. They signed like uh, uh, who did they sign? Uh, uh, 
Well, they didn't. It wasn't not Hanley Ramirez. Uh, it was Jose Reyes. They signed yeah. Jose Reyes. They signed yeah. Mark Burley. They I was st- gonna say Burley. Yeah, because yeah, they were moving into a new stadium, and then like uh, did Burley actually? I don't remember Burley appearing at all with the with the Marlins. I think he, he pitched did? like one year for them. So Jesus. yeah, they signed Crazy. all those guys because they were moving into their new stadium. They they yeah. played like one season for that team, and then they just traded everybody away. Yeah, and Ozzy Guillen, right? Yeah, and Ozzy Guillen they yeah. got too. But uh, but yeah, so Jeremy, there were four teams in MLB who lost a hundred plus games this year. Two in the same division, which is super yeah. tough. So uh, you know, well, the uh, Astros and Cubs proved that this type of rebuilding uh, scheme could work. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to take a few teams who try to do it and are unsuccessful for teams to kind of abandon that uh, that. Uh, method of, of trying to rebuild. I'm not. Sure. I'm not really for or against it. Um, yeah. But hey, it's there's a lot of losing baseball being played because of it. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, we can talk about more about that later in our uh, post. Uh, uh, sure. At the end of the episode notes um, about the Cubs' future. Um, <clears throat> but uh, my pick for ruin the decade is uh, the reason why I say I thought we might have the same guys because I picked Ryan Braun. <laughs> <laughs> I just think with everything concerned with Ryan Braun that happened in this decade, it's just all crap. Like, he started off good. He What was it, 2013 that he won the MVP? Uh, 2011, 20... I want to say. That was the year the Brewers made the NLCS. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, okay. At the base level, Ryan Braun is just a, a creep, just a toad. Like, he, uh, he, uh, he, he couldn't care less about Milwaukee, even though... He should. It seems like he should have some sort of, uh, you know, fondness for that city as the the only team he's ever played for. Um, but he isn't. He's a total creep. He wears affliction T-shirts and is just a friggin' like pretty boy. Like, um, uh, so he sucks for that reason. And then he like does steroids, accuses this poor bastard test taker guy of like you know, contaminating the results, uh, screws Matt Kemp out of his only chance of winning an MVP. Uh, so then he tarnished all of that. And then, then he just, he's tainted for the rest of the, the decade. And he's been around the whole decade. And he'll be around longer than that. I don't <laughs> think his contract expires till 2021. So also yeah. that contract has been a huge uh, albatross for the Brewers. Yeah. Like they're paying the guy $20 million a year and he, you know, he gets three days off a week. Yeah. Because like he's, he's always hurt. It seems like the, 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 the Brewers of the last couple of years probably could have been like, could have used that money that he's getting paid uh, for better uh, assets yes. for their team. They probably could have got a pitcher uh, for that money. Yep. And uh, yeah, so he's even hurting a successful Brewers team. Yes, he is. So it's, yeah, I just, you know, <laughs> he's just a blight on baseball and he's just been, he's just stuck there. Like the way the Brewers are stuck with him, like MLB stuck with him because yeah. he's just in the league and just is just bad mojo all around, I would he say. He is, yeah. He's the type of guy who will steal a base if his team is up or down six runs, you know, just because he wants the stats. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he does I, – I agree that he's a creep. He comes off, like, a, as a sociopath in interviews <laughs> or, like, a guy who has, like, no emotions or, like, feelings. Yeah, yeah he's a he's a strange guy. That's a good that's a good call, Jeremy. And I should say that the guy was a, a mainstay on my fantasy keeper league, too, on my, on my team. He yeah. helped me win a championship, and I had him for most of the 2010s. Uh, but I still can't stand the guy. Yeah, well, uh, Jeremy, there, there's been talk too about the Brewers uh, possibly like retiring his number after he, uh, yeah, you know, when he retires, because uh, he holds basically just about every record for the Brewers. I think for he's sure. got the most home runs, probably the most. Well, he doesn't have the most hits, but you know, uh, yeah. I don't want it to happen, Jeremy. So yeah. that, that's a that's a good that's a good call. Yeah, that would be a bummer if he did. Yes. Um. Let's see here. Uh. 
the best ERA for the decade is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Johnny Cueto was number five with mm-hmm. a three oh six ERA. Uh, Chris Sale, uh, then Cliff Lee with the two ninety five. This is a minimum nine hundred innings pitch. Sure. Because um, Cliff Lee did not pitch that much in the decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Degrom comes in second with a two sixty two ERA for the decade. Mm. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then Kershaw is number one with a 231. Nice. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good list. Uh, Johnny Cueto, I, I couldn't tell you if he started 30 games or three this year. I have no I have no idea. Well, he um, might come up here. Shortly, <laughs> okay, okay, so good. We'll yeah. Uh, it, it just, again, San Francisco <clears throat> is just like a wasteland uh, these days. Uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's a good one. Kershaw, obviously, that would have been my guess if you would have asked me who had the best ERA. But 2.31, that is a very, very low ERA to have for an entire decade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so truly one of the all-time greats. Yeah, pretty good. Um, okay, so uh, so now we're talking about a, uh, a trend. Uh, so a player who embraced a trend. Uh, or emulated a, a trend. That kind of lived, that lived, that was born and died within the decade of the 2010s. Nice. So yeah, um, things pop up, things go away quick, especially nowadays. I feel like new technology is popping up and going away, or apps or whatever. Um, so try, what if we could pick a player that kind of emulated that uh, well, in who's, baseball? Who's form. your Who's your pick, Jeremy? Well, so I was I, I first started trying to think of like things that came and went in this decade a little bit, and. Uh, uh, so Vine got really big in the 2010s, the six-second uh, video app. Um, Groupon was something that is still around but is essentially yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, they famously did not sell the company when they got this major offer, and uh, they kind of just plummeted since then. All these mm-hmm. uh, copycat websites have popped up since then. Uh, but but to go like like the Vine thing, right? So Vine is like a, a, a six-second video, very brief uh, video and then people got like fucking famous from it mm-hmm. making these six second videos so uh i think a guy who kind of spent like almost the equivalent of like a six seconds on a team uh on different multiple teams in the decade uh he played for seven teams over nine years within the 2010s is austin jackson oh my god so yeah. austin jackson is my uh like the my trendy like my my player that trended in the 20 oh 2010s. okay 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 um, so I, I interpreted this maybe a little bit differently, but uh, okay. but what the hey? Um, yeah. uh, so I, as far as trends go, I, I took it for like a, maybe a, it looks wise, like a, what what were players wearing? Okay, or like different. Uh, I mean, I think you can interpret styles. it that way for sure. sure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so yeah, because like you know, uh, uh, a trend like that could be. I think it was in the eighties. Uh, maybe it bled over into the nineties, but like guys wearing like. Uh, instead of like sweatshirts or you know long sleeve shirts under their jerseys, they would wear like jackets. Those vinyl jackets. Yeah, yeah. That like I would say in like the late sixties and a lot in the seventies and maybe into the eighties, it, it, it carried over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is like the guy who started this, but he was one of the first guys. I, I well, actually, so you were seeing this in the nineties, but I feel like almost every guy has it now. But like Jason Hayward with the. The flap okay. over his yeah. like uh, over his the the face on his the mouth on his helmet. Yeah, you know? for sure. So almost you you see more and more guys now with this flap over their uh, over their face. Yeah, so, they're like face protectors. Yeah, like they like cover, it protects their like chin so they yeah. don't get their jaw broken. So like that's a trend I really like. I hope it doesn't die. It probably won't because it keeps the players safe. But I think uh-huh. those actually look kind of cool on helmets. Sure. Um, some guys don't like to wear them probably because they think it like impedes their vision or. or yeah. Or whatever, but that's a trend I like. Uh, looks wise, another one I like. 
that started in the 2010s. I don't know how long it's going to last because it still seems pretty popular. But uh, the, the the Giannis Cespedes uh, like armband that okay. guys wear on their throwing arm. Yeah, for sure. You're seeing more and more guys like wearing those now. Okay. Um, and I, I feel like that's going to be something where like 15 years from now, you're going to be like, yeah, remember when guys used to wear those like bands on their arms? For sure. Yeah, like in the 90s, players wore turtlenecks. Yes, turtlenecks. Yeah. I used to, yeah, and then you would have like the logo on the turtleneck. Yeah, I always yeah. thought it looked cool. I always wanted one of those yeah, turtlenecks. Yeah, for sure. So would you say that that Hayward is the face of the of the face protector then? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. And Cespedes is kind of the face of like that uh, that armband. Yeah, he for was sure. the first one where people really like remarked on it. Yeah. And I think the Mets like had a giveaway where they like oh, gave yeah. away those armbands. I'm Definitely. not even sure what they do. I guess is it a compression sleeve? It, or yeah, something? I was thinking it was like a compression sleeve, but it's like, does it really help that much, or does it just yeah. look cool? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I know that uh, Marcelo Zuna uh, wears like he wore like a neon green one yep. for a while. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and and for the face mask or for the face, uh, I, I can't think of like the name that they usually call it, mm-hmm. but like the the chin protector, or whatever. Yes. Uh, Stanton is also wearing yep, Stanton that a lot. also, and he wears like a special one that he had made for him, oh, or at yeah? least he did okay. with the Marlins. Um, I, you know, I don't know why he gets like a special one, but it looks different. It looks like cooler than than the okay. other ones. Um, the the first guy I remember seeing uh, wearing one of those extended uh, face protector things was Terry Steinbach on the Oakland A's. Nice, in the I was eighties. I was going to mention Kevin Seitzer also wore one wear? in the in the nineties okay. because I think he got hit in the face too. Okay, uh, but this this is a trend, folks. Uh, that's no longer just for people who got hit in the face. No, um, no, and they for could sure. they could have that as a commercial. Uh, I and guess. one last thing about that extended uh, protection is yep. uh, it's bad for baseball cards. Uh, like you get a lot of guys, like if you catch like a, a right-handed batter, uh, from like the third base side of the field in their picture, yep. their face is always obscured. Yeah. Okay. And like people don't really like that on their baseball card. Like it's like, it kind of sucks to get a card of a, you know, Giancarlo Stanton with like his face obscured. Yeah, you for know? sure. So, um, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, this is a non sequitur, but in the 2015 top set, uh, Kyle uh-huh. Seeger's card, it's just, it's taken from the back. Like some guy yeah. hitting, be, hitting, like sent behind home plate, and Seeger is like swinging, and all you can see is the back of his jersey. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is this? No, that happens more than you think, Jack. Yeah. It sucks. It's like, what, like they didn't have a, a better picture than, to use of this guy than this. So yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. Well, hey, one of these days we will get to that baseball episode and we'll talk all about it. <laughs> um, so, all right, so uh, we're due for some uh, some some more stats here. How about saves for the decade? Yeah, that's, that's a good that's one. A good one. Uh, all right, coming in at number five with two hundred seventeen saves. Our, old our buddy Jonathan Papelbag. Yeah, two hundred seventeen saves for him. Yep. Uh, fourth place. Uh, fourth place. This king with the do rag. Uh, <laughs> that's a reference to a tweet Jeremy retweeted. Yeah. But uh, Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney. Uh, number three, Aroldis uh, Chapman. Uh, number two, Kenley Jansen uh-huh. with three hundred one. And then yeah. number one, uh, the Cubs uh, twenty nineteen MVP, <laughs> Craig. Kimbrel, with 346 saves for the decade. Oh, you gotta love it, folks. Yeah. Uh, I, I, honestly, Jeremy, the one that's really a surprise to me there is uh, Kenley Jansen. I, I can't yeah. believe. So he had 301 saves in the decade. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and I know he's been around for a, a long time. Yeah. But like, I just I can't believe he had over 300 saves in the 2010s. For sure. Especially because his ERA is usually pretty high too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I think is kind of funny is. Um, uh, when Craig Kimbrell came up with the Braves, mm-hmm. um, he was in a platoon for closer with, I believe, Johnny Venters, uh-huh. uh, who like famously like 
was almost out of baseball. Like he had like two Tommy John surgeries, maybe, and he did actually come back. I think I think it was this past year with the with the Rays. Okay, uh, and it was like a feel good story. But like, talk about two guys who went opposite ways with their careers. Oh yeah, uh, Kim Kimbrell led the ended up leading the the league in saves, and Venters like pretty much like lost half the decade to injuries. Yeah, uh, not to be a total bummer. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's weird how that all worked out. Yeah. Um, I guess that leads us into our next category. It does. So. Uh, started strong and ended it, wrong. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so yeah, this is a, a guy who, who had a great start to the decade. Yep. And then just kind of sputtered along at the end. And like I said, uh, with um, Andrew McCutcheon, a guy who could fit into that category. Yes. Um, but I looked at his numbers and they, they, weren't, they weren't that bad uh, for like the last couple years they're, they're not yep. great and he's kind of toiling in obscurity now a little bit but like they weren't like just really bad yeah and he was um, playing every day for philly until he got hurt too yeah yeah for sure and so there again there were a lot of good names on this list that i could have picked mm-hmm. uh but i ended up going with johnny cueto cool i, I like yeah. it jeremy now tell me what his stats were for this yeah. past season let me uh oh well his, his stats for this season um i believe uh he pitched. I could count all the games he pitched on on one oh, hand. Oh God! Uh, he pitched in four games this year. Jesus, man, they're paying that guy like a hundred and eighty million dollars or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he pitched. He he came back for four games, and I believe that that was like at the end of the year. Like, yeah. Um, but over the last two years, he's pitched in thirteen games. Wow, thirteen whole games. Thirteen games in two years. Jesus um, Christ! Now he did. Uh, you know, he did start twenty five games in uh, two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. um, and like 20, 2016, You know, he was. Uh, the Giants were pretty good. They did lose to the Cubs in the uh, NLDS mm-hmm. that year, and Johnny Cueto famously started that one that one nothing game against John Lester. Yep, in game yep. one. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, that was like his like last good game, maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't know what he he had a 4.52 ERA in 2017, but I mean, this guy was like you know one of the top pitchers uh, in baseball in the first half of the decade. Yes, and just has done nothing. Like talk about toiling in obscurity in San Francisco, like just not good. Yeah, so. and and especially for what they're paying him too. That's uh that that's pretty disgraceful. Yeah. Um, so my my pick, Jeremy. Uh, it's a it's a good one. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's pretty self-aggrandizing. Hey. But it was. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe you might have this one as well. Josh Hamilton. Yeah. For uh, yes, I would say so. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. when you look at Hamilton's numbers, um, you know, for the first for the first part of the decade, first of all, he took a long time to get to the major leagues. He was 26 when he made his debut, despite being, I think, the number one overall pick in like '99 or 2000. Yeah. Um. But yeah, his first his first couple years of the decade, 2010, he had 32 home. 100 RBIs and a 359 batting average. Yeah. 2012, he had 43 homers, 128 RBIs. Uh, one of those years, I think that might have been 2012, was an MVP year, though maybe uh, it was 2010. 20, 2010 actually. was the yeah. MVP year. Okay, that's what I, I thought. But um, And in 08, 09, he had two really good years, two all star years. Yep, yeah. So here was a guy who, like, everybody thought was going to be, like, the next big thing. They're like, okay, you know, Josh Hamilton, like, the guy's a, a superstar, ready to break out. And then he signed with the Angels. And it was just, uh, it, it just, it was collapsed from there. I mean, his, he was out of the league three years later. 
Yeah, and um, he's fallen on some dark times uh, since then. Yes, he has. So, uh, for, yeah, for sure. So that was yeah, that was a guy who seemed like he had all the tools, but you know, because of some personal demons, um, you know, and some I think he had some injuries too. But like, yeah. he could just never never put it together. So yeah, Josh Hamilton, my pick for starting strong and ending wrong. I feel like he's the poster child for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not yeah, not good. Uh, just and uh, talk about another guy who just so much bullshit surrounding him and just. Yep. At the end of the day, just not worth it. No. I remember, you know that I, you know, on his comeback uh, to the to the to baseball, he was a Rule Five pick. Yes. And the Cubs actually drafted him in the Rule Five pick and sold him to like the Reds. Oh Jesus! And, and then he went from the Reds to the Rangers, I believe. Uh huh. But yeah, just he just a dark guy. Like just so much darkness has surrounded him. It's just kind of a. Bummer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and he was drafted first overall by the Rays in 1999. Yeah, so there you go. Um, uh, let's let's move on to the next uh, category yeah, here. Sure. Um, so yeah. we have uh, let's we can go with craziest. Yeah, I like here. it. Uh, yeah, craziest Jer- player of the decade. I I, I chose Joey Votto. Okay, for sure. Yeah, yeah the guy's a, the guy's a complete nut. He's um, a nut bar for sure. I mean, he throws balls over the over the stands. Yeah. Um. He uh. There there was one game I was watching him. It was a Cubs game. Like he uh. You know, he was arguing with the umpire or something, and then the crowd started booing him, and so he <laughs> went boo. Like you could you could hear him, and then the announcers replayed it. They were making fun of him. Yeah. Uh, he bought Zach Cozart a donkey. He I did. think. Yeah. Um, he did. He saw some guy with a Vado for president shirt on, and he like. Went to the dugout, got got a signed jersey for the guy, and like made the guy take his shirt off, and like he he exchanged he it for him, the yeah. he traded it, and then after the game he he was interviewed and he was like, yeah, I was glad that guy was willing to do that for me, like <laughs> they were referring to taking his shirt off. Um, yeah, the the guy's just uh, he's just bonkers, but but I love yeah. it. Uh, you know, part of the reason I think he's so crazy is like uh, you know he's just trying to deal with the monotony of playing 162 games. He's got this uh, in Cincinnati. Yeah, he's yeah. got this lifetime contract with the Reds. That's yeah. not up for another five or six years yeah he's so, probably hit up like all the spots in cincinnati that there are too yes he's probably crossed over the river to kentucky and probably done all that and like you know, yeah now he's just stuck there he's, he's just bored and i think he's just trying to deal with uh <laughs> just to deal with that monotony and yeah so joey Votto is my uh you know my pick for craziest uh and i hope he doesn't change <laughs> yeah no for sure i love i love watching Votto and all his antics right for sure um so my craziest player of the decade uh, and man, I tried to find a spot for this guy in so many different categories. I tried to put him into the most futuristic player. Uh-huh. I tried to put him into the trend that lived and died. Uh, but I f- found a place for him in Craziest, and I think that it, it works, is Trevor Bauer. Nice. It wor- totally works, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, for sure. I hashtag mean, fair and balanced. Is that what he <laughs> says in his Twitter? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the guy just, there's something new with him every time, whether it's like. Apple, his, his iPhone isn't giving him isn't giving him enough uh, uh, balance, like uh, bipartisan yeah. uh, news stories about politics. Yeah, or he's cutting himself with the drone, or he has these uh, stupid uh, warm up techniques that the teams don't want him to do, but he insists on doing them. Um, just all kinds of crazy. He, th- he throws a ball into the center, into center field in like his like second start with the Reds, or, or no, that was his last start. Was that his last start with the Indians? Uh, yeah, it was. They okay. traded him right after that. Yeah, I mean, like the guy is just not. T- and then like when he showed up with the Reds, he like went out to like center field and watched batting practice, like with his backpack on and yeah. stuff. I mean, just all kinds of craziness. I try to put him in the the futuristic uh, thing because he like 
has this like because he seems like a guy out of place. He seems like a, a cyborg. Like <laughs> if like um if it ever comes to like you know cyborg players playing in major leagues, like I could see them being like Trevor Bauer a little bit uh, with the weird workout regimen. I always try to get him into the fad with like the drones. Like you know like drones became like consumer like uh you know devices uh in the 2010s and of course Trevor Bauer gets one and cuts his finger up and screws his team in the World Series um but craziest player I, yeah I well think yeah because all of those things are futuristic but they you know when you when you dissect them a little more they come off as more crazy they all lead to crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, there, there sure. was another funny thing with him where he was uh, up for arbitration I think it was last year and he's mm. like he was like kind of hurt about going through the whole process and he was like yeah you know i invited the uh, indians owner and gm to my hearing and like they didn't come like he was <laughs> the, he's just a, a weird guy so that's a that's an outstanding pick jeremy yeah he also yeah and if you remember too he was also accusing like garrett cole and the astros of spin rate like yeah hmm, i wonder how that happened like, <laughs> he's using pine tar so yeah i mean the guy just there's something new with him every season so yep. it's entertaining if nothing else Jeremy, uh, uh, we could move on to our next category, which okay. is guy who should have uh, retired in two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. This my, is a kind of a this is a total rain delay theater. Yes, it uh, is. Uh, can I go first, Jack? Yeah, I you think can yours, go first. Sure. I think you might have a better one than I do. Okay, because uh, my guys did not last that far into the twenty tens. Sure, and it, I I had to do a co uh, winners here. Okay, because uh, they were teammates and tied together. But uh, my two were Shane Victorino and Jimmy Rollins. Ooh, ooh okay, yeah, okay. Two guys that like you know and and honestly they should have retired at the end of 2008 as yeah. world series champions <laughs> um but uh just they had a great end to the decade uh with with the phillies and then just like kind of didn't really do much after that uh, victorino did have like one good year with the uh red Sox, oddly yeah. mm-hmm. um and and jimmy rounds numbers were like solid throughout the the 2010s but like you know, I just feel like they they ended the the aughts on a good note, and then just like just couldn't really recapture it in the in the in the teens. So, yeah. uh, so those both of those guys were my uh, guys who should have retired. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's a good uh, that's a good pick, Jeremy. Um, I, we saw Jimmy Rollins' last game in the major leagues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he made it uh, into 2016, I think, yeah. and it was a it was depressing. It was it Not was good. just like. Uh, the guy shouldn't have even been in the majors anymore no. at that point. Uh, if you look at it, like his last, uh, so in 2012, he hit 250, uh, 252, 243, 224 in 2015 with the Dodgers, and then 221 with the White Sox in mm. 2016 and age 37 year. So, yeah, it just it kind of he kind of hobbled through most of the 2010s, and yeah, he could have went out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on top there. But. Jeremy, my guy, is a guy who has pitched every year <clears throat> in the 2010s. He's still around, okay. and he pitched a bunch in the last decade too. Okay, uh, it is Edwin Jackson. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, he, I considered him. I yeah. considered him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, his this last past season um, in 2019, he had a 9.58 ERA in Ugh. 67 and two thirds innings. Yeah. Uh, in in this decade, he had one, two, three, four. Uh, four seasons with an ERA of uh, five or over, okay. and one season also of a 4.98 ERA. So basically five of his years, he had a uh, five ERA. For uh, sure. His career ERA is 4.78. Um, okay. In 2013, he lost 18 games with the Cubs. I'm sure you probably remember that, Jeremy. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, the guy The guy was just garbage for the ent- an entire decade, uh, and he's still around, and I don't even think he's officially retired. 
Uh, no, no. He'll probably appear at some point uh, in 2020. Uh, I will say one number why, why he shouldn't have retired uh, in 2009 was $52 million, which is what he got from the Cubs. Yep. Um, yeah. that's, one, that's one of the reasons why I didn't pick him, but uh, for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he threw his no-hitter with the Diamondbacks, didn't he? Uh, yes, I believe. Uh, so that, if, if that was the Diamondbacks, then that would have been in 2010. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that was another thing where I'm like, uh, maybe, you know, like, he wouldn't have got that if he didn't, <laughs> he didn't uh, continue on. But, but yeah, I mean, for sure, like, the guy has, like, just... Right. And he did make an all-star team in 2009. It was his, his only okay. his okay. only all-star team. So <clears throat> yeah. he ended that decade strong. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Edwin Jackson, yeah, for your own good, please retire. Although maybe he'll get to be on a few more teams because I think he holds the record for that as well. Doesn't he seem like... A, a fifth starter for the White Sox, you know, this year. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, who was it that they rolled out last year? Ivan Nova. Uh, Ivan Nova. Uh, Edwin or Ed uh, Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana. Yeah, that was so, the guy. Yeah, if, if you know the the writing is on the wall there for for Edwin Jackson to be right. the fifth starter at some point for the White Sox. Yes. Well, no, they just got Gio Gonzalez, so I think he's well, he's filling that role too. You yeah, had a good sure. tweet about that, Jeremy, as yeah. well. Uh, check out at Rain Delay Pod. Yeah, yeah. It's, it concerns his twenty twenty one option, which uh, I hope he's not counting on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, and then uh, I guess we can wrap it up. Yeah, here. let's br- let's bring it home with our final one, with our yeah. final award, Jeremy, which yeah. is uh, the best game you attended in the 2010s. Yes, uh, for sure. So, so which which what was your your best game that you attended? Well, Jeremy? again, I feel like this is another rain delay theater drinking game. Take a drink every time Jeremy mentions uh, he was at Game Six of the NL 2016 NLCS. I shouldn't have even asked. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew I knew it. And I have some. I, I mean, I could pick a different one just yeah. for the sake of picking a no, different no, one. No, 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 no. That but, was your best one. I mean, I, that's going to be the best game I attend in my life. Yep. So, um, yeah, obviously the game that the Cubs beat the Dodgers to uh, clinch the uh, pennant and move on to the World Series. Um, I considered selling ticket, selling my tickets for that game. What would you have gotten for it? Uh, I don't even know how much. I, I well, I was like, ho- I was like going to try to get like four hundred bucks or something. But mm-hmm. like with the, because like I got tickets for Game Six and Game Seven, and they were facing Kershaw that game, and I'm like. Maybe I could sell my game six tickets, make like maybe like four or five hundred bucks, and then sell tickets for game seven. Uh, and I'm and like everyone told me like if you do that, you're a, an idiot. You're gonna regret it for the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, and I'm glad I did not because uh, yeah, I mean, even even if I made like five hundred, even six hundred dollars, like it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it. I guess money comes and goes, Jeremy, but yeah. you know that memory is gonna last forever. Yes, so for sure. that's a good one. Well, Jeremy, mine is also a game that Clayton Kershaw pitched in. Okay, uh, it was a Brewers Dodgers game that I attended in 2017 with my uh, dad. Okay, uh, we had great we had great seats for it, just outstanding seats, just a couple rows behind home plate with. Kershaw pitching. We saw Kershaw get his 2,000th strikeout, which was very cool. Um, uh, So it was like a one-nothing pitcher's duel the whole game between Kershaw and Jimmy Nelson. So it was a a real crisp ball game. The only run was scored on a a Domingo Santana home run. So the Brewers were winning one-to-nothing. With two outs in the top of the ninth inning, Yasmani Grandal uh, hit a home run to tie it up. Uh, And then so then in the 11th or 12th inning, Cody Bellinger hit his 12th home run to give the Dodgers like a two to one lead. Twelfth career home run. Yeah, it was right? his twelfth twelfth yeah, it was his twelfth career home run. And so yeah. what was cool about that was uh it was like that was kind of even though Cody Bellinger had like hit ten home runs in the month in like his first month, he uh like nobody was really talking about him quite yet. That was like yeah. that was like a week or two before like people really started talking about Bellinger, which was also cool. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, got got to see the Dodgers, got to see Kershaw was like the best pitcher of the decade. Um, yeah. Got to see Cody Bellinger like before he blew up and see him hit like a really early home run. Yeah. Um, and just got to see like a really good, uh, good like two to one ball game. So as, as George Costanza would say, it was like that, just that perfect uh, combination of Mountain Dew and mozzarella, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. I think quote. it's like the pinball one where, or the Frogger one where he has like the, oh, the yeah, record for right. Frogger at that pizza place. That's right. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, Jack, I was going to say, I, I thought maybe uh, like... Thinking outside of the box, maybe like if we could just on the fly think of the best game that the two of us have been yep. to together yeah. in the decade. Would you say it's the Chris Bryant walk-off homer? The Rockies game. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say that was the best game uh, I, we've ever attended together. Together. Yeah. yeah. So that was 2015. Yep. I think it might have been, I'm trying to figure the date. I think it might have been July 27th. Yeah, it was like July 27th or very, yeah, very late uh, in that. Because I remember we were speculating that Tulowitzki was going to get traded. Um, yeah. He got traded right after that game, right? Uh, yeah. I, th- I believe he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. So there was that. Uh, there were a ton of lead changes in the game. I think Carlos Gonzalez had maybe one, maybe two home runs. In yeah, it. two um, homers. Yeah. Um, let's see. Mott like blew the game. I he believe did. he did. Um, and then uh, got who? Oh, and John Axford blew it bat right back for the Rockies. Chris Bryant hit. Um, so the Cubs were down by one, right? Yep. Um, leading or like heading into the bottom of the ninth or tenth? It was the uh, maybe it was the tenth because at well, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was if the ninth. It was, it was the ninth. ninth. Okay, because yeah. Axford was pitching. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Bryant just hit like this long, majestic uh, Chris Bryant style home run. Off of him, his first career walk off, and then Jeremy. About a month or two later, when we did our full Lague, we also it's like these are two are like tied, but we went yeah. to a day game on a Monday afternoon. It was Corey Kluber versus John Lester in yeah. like a makeup game. Yeah. Um. So I felt like I was playing hooky that day. Yeah. Because uh, like I just I didn't have to work for some fluke reason. <laughs> um. And then Bryant hit a walk off in that game too, and that game was like one to nothing or one to one yeah. like the whole way. Yeah, that was a pitcher's duel. Yeah. Um, but uh, that 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 Rockies game was Bryant's first walk off homer of his career, which was very cool. Yeah, and then and, and a walk off uh, from while trailing in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, like you know, those are really special circumstances. So that was like, yeah, I, I gotta say, like, and conveniently enough, it happened before we started the podcast. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think that like we did go to that game together, and I think that was probably the best game we went to together. I agree. I yeah, agree with that for sure. Cool. Um, well, so, right. so that, that does it for our list, folks, but we got a couple of, just a couple minor things to do here. Jeremy, you said the White Sox, the odds for them to win the World Series. What are they this year? Well, they just went up. Um, they're a 10 to 1 uh, favorite or like odds to win the World Series. That's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And like, listen, I, I know that people are excited about the White Sox. I mean, I'm kind of even excited about them. Like, uh, especially when Luis Robert shows up on the scene, like that, that team's going to be pretty damn good. When Michael Kopech comes back. Yeah, and then they get back Kopech and Rodon. Like, yep. um, it could be a good team, but ten to one odds is absurd. It is. It's crazy, uh, and we're still going to be able to get four dollar tickets to those. Yes, games. we will. <laughs> um, and like, I mean, I almost feel bad for White Sox fans who want to like kind of put down a fun bet. It's like at some point, like ten to one odds, like for for like a six month bet, like is like. That's it's not gonna be that's not really fun. That's not a really fun payout. No, uh, for the amount of time you have to wait for that, but to come through in the completely unlikelihood that the White Sox win the World Series this year, which like they're gonna be better, but like I don't know if they're 
you know, 10 to 1 odds to win the World Series. So it's kind of <laughs> rough. Um, I think this is a funny story that Rich Hill got arrested. It is. Um, I feel like, you know, we could skip over this, but like if we're going to talk about um, uh, Jacob Nix getting arrested, we got to talk about Rich Hill getting arrested. Yeah. Uh, um, so what, what he was trying to, him and his wife were trying to sneak a bag into an NFL game. I mean, I don't think they were trying to even sneak. It's like NFL has this crazy uh, bag policy, which incidentally enough, the Wintrust Arena also had the same bag policy uh, when we went to the, the high school games for the last episode uh i almost brought my backpack and i would have been turned away yeah but like you have to bring like a clear plastic bag and it's only it can only be like you know certain in dimensions basically and so i think she was just trying to bring in like a backpack or a purse or something and they wouldn't do it and she like repeatedly tried to get in with it and uh there's like an altercation and like her and uh rich hill both got arrested because of it which you think of like mild-mannered rich hill and and honestly it, you know the way things are like with sports players these days i saw rich hill arrested and i saw a wife in the story and i'm like oh no what the hell happened and like, yeah this is it's almost refreshing that it was only over like a silly bag thing right um and i feel like rich hill like did it i feel like he did it in the same way that like you know like ted danson gets arrested for arguing like or protesting climate change or whatever <laughs> it's like he knows that he could just get arrested just for shits and giggles basically right um so it was an odd story like of all the people to get arrested rich hill i think that's kind of interesting um, the last thing I want to talk about before we go, and I just want to be on the record with this, uh, is like, you know, it's, it's a tough off season. The last two off seasons have been tough for Cubs fans. Um, people don't really know what the Cubs are doing. Uh, they like are signing all these like kind of fourth rate relief pitchers right now. And that's, and like, they can't like afford to sign, um, God, who's like, the guy who like they've been talking about signing it's not even castellanos it's like a lower tier guy uh the, they did sign hernan perez Oof. um which that's funny that i'm gonna have to like eat that like yeah my, that's my... like that's like tyler saladino going to the brewers like, yeah you're gonna you're gonna be in a position where you have to root for <laughs> hernan perez yeah it's funny um but it's like it seems to me like like what the cubs are trying to do is um uh do what the Yankees did in 2016 or whatever, like trade these like, you know, assets for guys who are maybe like one or two years away so they can contend again right away. And so like, you know, Chris Bryant has been rumored to be traded. Um, honestly, like one of the rumors that's been out there was like Chris Bryant to the Braves for Austin Riley, um, Drew Waters, who's one of their top uh, center field uh, prospects, and like one of their pitching prospects, like Kyle Wright or something. And quite honestly, if the Cubs could make that trade, I would not be that opposed to it. Um, obviously, Brian can have a great potential going forward, but like it, those three guys could totally can help them out for like 2021, 22. They could even help out this year, but definitely for 21, 22, like in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, assuming you don't re-sign Bryant and like they you know I guess they cannot they're not gonna be able to re-sign Rizzo Bryant Baez Contreras all these guys so um it's an interesting proposition I mean it couldn't have worked out any better for the fucking Yankees no like the Yankees were done like they were like they were like selling off their guys and then it's like teams just gave them Glaber Torres and they gave them uh uh I'm trying to think of who else what other guys they got in that like rebuild, but like it was very short term. Their rebuild was very short. It was like it a was. half a season. Yep. Yeah. So like, I think that that's what the Cubs are trying to do. I mean, I, I don't know what teams wouldn't want to do that, mm -hmm. but like, 
um, in terms of like selling off like like major league guys for guys who like highly touted prospects who are close to to coming up. Um, you know, I think that uh, that's kind of what they're trying to do, and uh, it kind of sucks as a Cubs fan, but like. If it helps them in twenty twenty one and and those the following years, you might just have to suck it up. Yep. Um, and just have faith, I guess, in the you know Theo and those guys that to like get guys who are going to help them. But uh, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Like nothing's going to happen with Bryant until his grievance is heard. Yeah. Which might be like next week. Um, I feel like they've been saying that for a month. Yeah, I know they've keep pushing it off, and like I think at this point now everyone's waiting for that, not just the Cubs. No, and like they're, they're, people are waiting for that domino to fall, and then I think everything else is going to happen. Like Josh Donaldson exactly. is going to sign with somebody. There's just so much riding on that. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, I, I don't really like the Nationals prospects that they have to offer as much as what the Braves have. Like I guess you get like I feel like you have to get Victor Robles from the Nationals. But I like Austin Riley better than Victor Robles. So I don't know. It's an interesting situation. Um, and uh, if the Cubs trade Bryant, they're going to get like some big prospects for him. Yep. So, uh, hey, I like prospects. So. Yeah, no, I know you do. And even if they trade Bryant, uh, you know, they still have enough guys where like if things fall the right way for them, they could still contend in 2020 anyway. Yeah, I know. It's, inter- it's interesting. So it, it, it takes a lot as a Cubs fan to kind of – just fucking suck this up, you know, and just like accept it. But like, that's the, that's the, that's the upside. It's like, if you trade Bryant, you're going to get three to four really good prospects, Mm -hmm. like, like pedigree prospects. So that could also, that could be better in the long term for the team. It might not be good in 2020, but like, you just kind of have to suck it up. I know Cubs fans like don't want to hear that. And like you waited a hundred (laughs) years to win one, you don't want to trade away a guy like Bryant, but it's a tough thing. This is what like, this is like kind of like baseball business is about. So yeah. it's a tough thing, but uh, yeah, it's something to, something to think about as a Cubs fan for people. I know we have a lot of Cubs fans who listen, so for sure. And you know, Hey, we're talking about the guy who was our most, my most uh, 2010s player. <laughs> there you go. Today. Well, Hey, it's fitting that the decade is over. Get the hell rid of him now. <laughs> He'd be <laughs> right. the most 2020 guy with the uh, Braves. I guess. Right. Uh, so, folks, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. But we've got a couple of fun uh, basketball games that we're going to be probably going to in January. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know, Jack. I guess we're turning into uh, a basketball podcast in the offseason. Yep. Yeah. I'm I mean, uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll be back at you with another episode uh, about two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, in the new year, our first episode of the of the next decade is going to be coming at you in a couple weeks. And so it'll be a game recap episode. It will we'll, be a we'll game recap episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that, folks. But uh, until then, I'm Jack Swakowski. I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And we'll see you in 2020. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.